0: Can I give you a song lyric quiz this morning? Can I do that? That's, that's a good way to start out a, a sermon, right? All right, fill in the blank. You ready? So tonight I'm going to party like it's 1999. 1999. You got it. Well done, Prince. I didn't think the college students would get that, but uh, they got it because uh, that was written in 1982, the year of my birth. And so there you go, um, 1999. Here's my challenge for you this morning. Here's where we're going this morning. The challenge for you is to party like it's AD 29. That's what we're looking at this morning. We're going to learn how to party like it's AD 29. We look at this occasion where Jesus goes to a house party, and it's a good party. And so turn with me in your Bible to Luke chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, we're going to put the scripture on the screen in just a little bit. I also want to let you know we have an app. Uh, If you go to your app store, your marketplace, whatever it is that you do, uh, and you just type in uh, Charles River Church, you'll find us. And uh, you can download that app, and on the app is also a Bible there for you, as well with all kinds of other good content that we think will be really, really helpful. So, Luke chapter five, twenty-seven through uh, thirty-two. All summer long, we've been in this series uh, that we've been calling with. Jesus. And we've been looking at these really powerful exchanges that people have with Jesus. And when they're with Jesus, their lives are radically transformed. And what we've been doing is trying to get some takeaways from that. What, what they experience with Jesus and then how we can kind of follow suit and also have similar personal experiences with Jesus. And so next week, Racial Reconciliation Sunday. And so that means that this week is our last uh, sermon in this With Jesus series. Summer will be a officially over, and it'll be time for pumpkin spice lattes, and so that should be fun. So uh, next week, uh, make sure to be here, but I'm excited for what God has as we close out our With Jesus Series And we've been taking just some various practices from these exchanges with Jesus and applying them to our time with Jesus. And this one is a great way to close it out. And this one is a powerful and incredibly important and unfortunately often overlooked practice for how we relate with Jesus. And so let's read it together. Luke chapter 5, uh, 27 through 32. I'm going to read the whole passage for us this morning. It says, After this, he went out, that's Jesus, and saw a tax collector named Levi, Sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, Follow me. And leaving everything, he rose and he followed him. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at table with him. And the Pharisees and their scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. To repentance. This is so good, so good. I, I've just been eager all week to disi- dissect this with you. Uh, we're introduced to this man uh, that Jesus connects with here. His name is Levi, and so in this account in Luke and then in, in the, the book of, um, of, of Mark, he's referred to as Levi, but then in the book of Matthew, Matthew refers to himself as Matthew. And here's why. Because Levi is his Hebrew name. And Matthew was his Greek name. And he worked for uh, Greek-speaking Romans. And so he- here's the context. We're at the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's got three years where he's walking on the earth. And he's, he's doing his, his thing. He's healing people. He's casting out demons. He's kind of doing this little synagogue circuit. And he's traveling around and teaching at synagogues. And he's healing people. And, and along the way in these early days, days he's calling people to to follow him and to be his close disciples his his leadership team and he's calling 12 men to come and be his trainees his his pupils and they later become apostles and they carry the torch of the message of jesus and and so far we we've seen the people that jesus has appointed he's not got them all he doesn't have all 12 yet but the people that he has appointed are very similar kind of guys you have simon peter and his brother, Andrew. So they're the same family and they're both young fishermen uh, from Capernaum. Uh, they fish right along the, the Sea of Galilee. He's also called two other guys, James and John, also young fishermen, also along uh, Capernaum and the Sea of Galilee. And so these four are, are in similar scenarios. They're brothers, they're, they're fishermen, likely business partners. And he's, he's pulling together this team, first four of 12, and there's, you can imagine, just real strength. Strong camaraderie, and and they're excited to to to. Hey, Jesus called us. This is a big deal. That's for another sermon. The privilege that these guys got to be uh, disciples and followers of Jesus. I was thinking back to when I was in high school and thinking back to to baseball tryouts, and and here's how it looked. You had had a few weeks of baseball tryouts, and then uh, it was it was the time for the the coaches to post on their their wall right outside their office, the list of everybody who made the team. And what they would do is they would lock the locker room door every night before, and then we'd, we'd show up early in the morning uh, that the, the team was going to be posted on the wall, and we'd hang out outside the locker room because their office was inside of the locker room towards the back, and they'd unlock the locker room, and everybody just barged through the locker room and get outside the, the coach's office, and there would be the list. And the first guy who got there, this happened several times, the first guy who got there would be like, shh he would call out the list one by one by one. Yo, yo, shut up. Here we go. Okay. And John, James, Don. And they would just call all the names. And with every name that was called, it was like there was a, yeah, boy. You know, a lot of the, yeah, yeah. And fist bumps and, and, and chest bumps and, and just hugs. And everybody's all excited. And, and you can kind of imagine, I kind of picture that when Jesus is calling his, his first disciples, right? There's, there's, there's Simon Peter and Andrew. Hey, my brother, yeah. And, and then they get the other guy fishing. Yeah, boy. And they get the other fisherman. But then, Matthew, Levi. I, I, there, there, I promise you this. There was not a single yeah boy or whatever the, the Greek equivalent of that was at that moment. There, that was not, there was likely size. There were likely, are you kidding me? What? This is gonna be an awful season. We're gonna you are you are you serious, right? You can barely catch the ball. He is so going to let us down. Here's how we know this. We know this because we know that that Levi is a tax collector. That means he's already proven to be a sellout, a, a, a chump. He's Jewish. We know that because his name is Levi, and that's that's honoring the Old Testament, his heritage there, and so it's a rich Hebrew name. he, he he's Levi, and yet he's working as a tax collector. For the enemy, for Rome, who's occupying their people and, and oppressing their, their people. And on top of all of that, not only is he working for the enemy, the, the work that he's doing was really dirty, awful work. And, and basically what they would do is they would, they, would, they would jack up the tax. So if you owed $25, they'd say, it looks like you owe $40. And they'd skim off the top and keep the extra money. It was just a known thing. There was really nothing you could do about it. For personal gain, they would just they would be loaded and they would be total scumbags. And so verse 27 tells us Jesus saw Levi sitting at his tax booth. He says, you're on the team. He says, you come, you follow me. And, and, and when Jesus said this, what does, what does Levi do? First thing we got to see is he drops everything and he goes. Uh, you you got to imagine, he would be incredibly surprised, like the guy who can't play baseball, but got pressured into trying out on a dare, or just say, I'll give it a shot, you know. And, and he makes the team, he's called by, by Jesus. And you can just be, you can just imagine how overwhelmed he would be by the grace of God, that God says, I choose you Yes, I know how filthy you are. I know how shameful the work is that you do. I know that you're a sellout. I know that you you're, you're robbing your own people so much so that they could beat people and kill people if they were unwilling to to pay the taxes. And so he was he was just it was it was a terrible thing that he was doing. This would be like the seminary going and recruiting at the club. You know, this is just weird and this is crazy. But God is 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 likely doing two things here. One is is he show, the grace of Jesus is is on display here that God is is forgiving the worst of us. And I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're feeling like I this is so weird that I'm at church. Uh, it's a new season and so I'll come, but this is this is not like me. I feel like I should not be here. And you get to see that no God says you can be here. You're you're very very welcome here. And so one, the grace of Jesus, but also likely number 2 is the insight of Jesus is at play here. Based on the, the rest of the text, he knew that Levi or Matthew would be uniquely equipped to minister to tax collectors and uniquely equipped to minister to, to, to very sinful people. In fact, maybe some of us here t- today, you might, you might as well be sitting in a tax collector booth, or at least that's how you, you feel. Like maybe you feel like a sellout. Maybe you feel like a failure. Maybe you feel, again, like this is not, I feel like I should not be here. I'm not very holy. And again, God says, you should be here. I, I, in fact, I want you here. You need the grace of Jesus and Jesus is very excited and very willing to extend his grace to you. The Bible says it this way in First John 1, 9, that if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He says, just acknowledge that you're You're messed up. Because we all are. And if you acknowledge that, you're in. You're in. And, And Levi, Matthew, obviously did that. In that he said, I'm done with this. This is messed up. I'm following you. And so grace for Levi. Grace for all of us this morning. Now... Here's what God does now is, 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 is he takes a tax collector who, who is sinful and, and wicked. And, and, and again, right there, insert your sin, whatever your struggle, whatever your rebellion looks like. He, he takes that and though that, whatever that was, that rebellion was, that, that's not honoring to God. God takes this season of your life and he uses it. Because God takes bad things, reconciliation, right? And, and, and think about the redemption center. He takes junk and he makes it good. And, and, and God takes this season and he makes good out of it. And he, he uses your rebellion as an inroad for you to be able to love other people in a unique way. And to serve other people in a, in a unique way. You are uniquely equipped to minister to the people That you once were before God changed you. God doesn't waste your failures, and I love that about him. I just, I love that. Here's how we see this with with Levi. The the rest of our our passage here is Jesus and Levi ministering to Levi's people, to his partners in in crime. And and so after Jesus calls Levi, he drops everything, and then what does he do? Verse 20, he drops everything, he follows Jesus. And then let's let's look then at verse 29. And Levi made him a great feast in his house, and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining a table with them. So Levi's response, drop everything and throw Jesus a party. He says, I'm I'm throwing a party, and I'm going to throw a party right in my own house. And who's invited? Says the tax collectors, his partners in crime, they're all invited and Others now in, in in Levi or Matthew's own account, the Gospel according to Matthew. See, this is the Gospel according to Luke. We have four different accounts of the life of Jesus, so we get it from like different angles and kind of think of it like like news. You know, I think about uh, ABC, NBC, and, and and CBS, or Matthew, Mark, and 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 Luke, and then there's. There's Fox News that kind of does its own thing, and that's John, right? And that's kind of how Matthew, Mark, Luke, and that's how, kind of how it goes here. And, uh, and so in Matthew's account, CBS's account, the, the way it looks is, 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 is he doesn't just say tax collectors and others. He says tax collectors and sinners were at his house. Now that word sinners is really important when you hear it in the New Testament because that's how you would, you would identify somebody whose job was explicitly Sinful. So you're a carpenter, you're a carpenter, you're not a sinner. But you're a prostitute, you're marked as a sinner in that society. That's kind of how so he he likely had prostitutes there. He had tax collectors there. He had other people who maybe dealt with unclean animals according to, to Hebrew culture. And so they were they were they were sinners and they were all there together under the roof in his house, just a bunch of dirt bags according to Hebrew people. Now again, can you imagine for just a minute? The good Hebrew boys, Peter and Andrew and James and John. And then there's Matthew, the first five disciples here. Brand new disciples of Jesus, not quite sanctified yet, right? Like not quite looking super holy at at, at this point. And knowing Peter, I mean, can you imagine all these guys show up to this house and just knowing Peter, how he's always like aggressive and can't hold his tongue and he's always putting his foot in his mouth. I I just picture Peter, you know, and Andrew, hold me back, hold me back because he's ready to go and just light up some of these guys who've been stealing his money. I just, I... And, and, and yet as we see what happens here does Jesus call off the party hey Jesus uh, thanks for calling me uh, I, I want to throw a party for you sounds good who's coming tax collectors and sinners oh no 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 no, no. we don't do that no we're, we're a new creation we're, we're new people we're different he doesn't do he, he doesn't call off the party instead what Jesus does is Jesus endorses the party doesn't he he says this is good This this is really good. Levi becomes a Christian, and he becomes a disciple of Jesus. And what is Jesus' first discipleship move with with Levi? Sit down at a Starbucks and open the Bible and and, and memorize some scripture? Is that the first discipleship move? No, that comes. That's incredibly important. But the first discipleship move is, let's party. Do you know anybody? Who are your people? And, And let's get together and 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 so often here's what churches do somebody becomes a christian they become a follower of jesus and they quickly start to kind of cut them off from all of their relationships by busying them up in the life of the church so we can train them and we can do this with them and that with them and and this and this and this and that and they get cut off from the people that jesus says my first discipleship move was to help you to hang out with those people With me now in your heart and and in your life. That's Jesus' first discipleship move. Is continue in the relationships. Let's let's honor the relationships, your workplace, your family, your neighbor, your, your, your college friends, so that they can see what a life just like them looks like when Jesus gets all up in it and does something really powerful. So Matthew's first instinct, party, and Jesus says, Sounds good to me. And he endorses it with his presence. And then he'll later, as we read a few more verses down the road here, he later endorses it with his actual defense of the party. So party on Matthew, party on Jesus. I'm dating myself, Wayne's World reference there. Party Jesus. Now, let's stop here because this might be the point where some of us, this feels a little bit irreverent. Like, can we, can we say that? Can we? Here's the problem. We have allowed culture to hijack the idea of party we've allowed culture to hijack the idea of what it looks like to get together and to have a whole lot of fun. Because today, I think for most people, party means to get wasted naked and do something we regret tomorrow. But as we read what Jesus has happening here, it's enter into people's world, meet people, get to know people, laugh with people, relate with people, have fun with people, proclaim God's grace to people, and God forbid, have a little bit of fun. When was the last time that you pictured Jesus as a party lover? But it's right there in the, in the Bible. His enemies accuse him of eating too much, drinking too much, and hanging out with the wrong people, Matthew eleven nineteen. 19. His first miracle was at a wedding party. They ran out of wine. We're going to a wedding tonight. That would be Bad for Becky's side of the family. Like, they ran out of wine. They, they ran, and Jesus says, well, don't worry. You got water? That's going to be some really bad wine. No, it was great wine. It was, it, was, it was great wine. You saved the good stuff for last? This is, wow. Think about it. Someone invited Jesus to their wedding. And we got a lot of like newlywed people in our church family. And uh, think back for a moment to your wedding if you can. And you remember when you were creating the guest list and you were like, oh no, we can't invite him. We definitely cannot invite her. We had a one, we cannot invite her. And then she came anyhow. And in the middle of the wedding asked my dad to take her to the train station while he's like dancing and having fun. I mean, you got those people? They should not be at... And one might think, like, Jesus shouldn't be. Wouldn't he be the cosmic killjoy because he's holy? And in fact, because he's holy, people wanted him at their party. People wanted him at the wedding. People wanted to spend time with him. They were constantly inviting him into his house. We see that on numerous occasions in the scriptures. Jesus became a party-goer. God was a man and he created joy and he created laughter and he wants that for us. Max Lucato says it this way. Let's put this on the screen for you. I, I, this is just such a good quote uh, rather than uh, me just telling you. I want to read it for you. It says, He says, I think it's significant that common folk in a little town enjoyed being with Jesus. I think it's noteworthy that the Almighty didn't act high and mighty. The Holy One wasn't holier than thou. You don't get the impression that his neighbors grew sick of his haughtiness and asked, well, who do do you think made you God? His faith made him likable, not detestable. I love this because he wasn't too good to hang out with the riffraff. and People were drawn into his warm presence. He was was likable. And, And let me be clear here because I do need to make some clarifying points here. That he was likable. And yet, as he shared his message, the message of the gospel, the message of repentance that we'll see at the very last word of our section here that we, we sing about this morning, as he begins to declare the need for repentance, not everybody likes him anymore. But you know what? That doesn't stop him. That doesn't crush him. The goal is not to be liked. The goal is to love like Jesus. Because if the goal is to, to be liked, then you're going to be incredibly disappointed. Jesus was enjoyable. He was approachable. He was hangoutable, if that's even a word. But people wanted to be with him And yet he did continue to share his message, and for some it was an offense, and for others it was the most beautiful, powerful, sweet, amazing thing that they've ever heard in their entire lives. And many of you, you're here because that's what happened in your own heart. But Jesus was allowed to have fun with people. Am I allowed to say that? Jesus had a lot of fun with people. I picture people hanging out with Jesus around the campfire, those disciples just that's, that's the, the thing that I long for, is that when Jesus died and, 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 and resurrected and was hanging out on the beach, having a campfire, feeding his, his boys some fish. For me, that's, that's, I just want to hang out. That's, that's the moment in the Bible that I want that moment right there. Just being with Jesus. People wanted that. Let me give you another fill-in-the-blank quiz, if I can, just like we started. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Jesus, his favorite name for himself was the Son of Man. He gets that out of the book of Daniel. And so he says, The Son of Man came to seek, anybody? And to save the lost. Here's another one might surprise you. Matthew 11, 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Now your parents didn't make you memorize that one when you we were a little child, right? That, let me read the rest of it. Matthew 11, 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. His heart was for people who were lost and, and don't know God and are far from God and are trying every which way to, to find peace and to find happiness and to find wholeness and reconciliation. And, 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 and Jesus came to find those people, to seek them on a rescue mission. And how did he do it? The Son of Man came eating and drinking. Now they accused him of being a drunk. They accused him of being a glutton because they thought you can't even be near them because then you're like them. Jesus, oh no, no, no! I need to be near them, so that we can impact them. See, uh, American Christianity has kind of gone through these cycles over the years, and you think back a few decades, and the cycle was a separatist movement. Let's be, let's be, completely separate. Fundamentalism, right? Let's just completely do everything on a pair. We'll have our own music. We'll have our own concerts. We'll have our own uh, shows. We'll, everything's different. Everything, everything's different. And Jesus, no, let's, what if we are with them and show them how to do these things in a way that's honoring to the Lord? And Jesus comes alongside eating and drinking, being neighborly, being loving, being a friend, and proclaiming. And they say, it says, who are they? Those are the religious people. And they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard. Friend of tax collectors and of sinners, he shouldn't be hanging out with those people. You got those people in your life? Like, oh man, shouldn't be hanging out with those people. And Jesus ignores them. Christians, let me ask you this question: Who are those people in your life? Who are your non-Christian friends? I've had a few moments, two specific seasons in, in my life where I. Just I froze and, and looked around and said, oh my word, I have like hardly any non-Christian friends because I'm a pastor and I'm caught up in this. It's very wrong and I had to repent and I've joined a running club and I've, I've, I've made sure I'm getting real involved in my kids' sports teams and their parents. And, and, and but Who are your non-Christian friends? You better have them. Because if you don't, I think you're not quite living the way Jesus intended us to be living. We completely and wholeheartedly want to push community, Christian community, and grow in a relationship with other people. But you better look around that community and say, there are some people who don't know Jesus as well in that community. You look at the book of Acts and the very first summary of the the first church there, this infant church in the city of Jerusalem. And day by day, God was adding to their number those who were being saved. In other words, there were always people who didn't know Jesus who were like, this is amazing and I want Jesus and I want to trust him. And day by day, it continued to grow. We have to look around and say, do we have those people in our lives? If not, something is off. And they're not just those people who are in our lives for no reason, but they need to be in our lives with a a real awareness in our minds and in our interactions with them that my heart is to love them and befriend them and to ultimately share them, the the, the one who is everything to me, Jesus. If you have a a friend who it, it takes a year or two years or a long time and then finally you come out of the closet that you're a Christian, what's more weird? being open that you're a Christian from the early days and they think you're kind of weird because you're a follower of Jesus or that you've been an undercover Christian for a year and they're suddenly like, what? You've been hiding this from me the whole time? You know what I mean? We, we try to go, go real slow with it. And we come out of the closet, bam! Oh my word. You're one of those people? But if from the beginning you were one of those people and they saw that you were one of those people but different, then it, you, you with me? you cool okay all right just ranting here for just a minute there's that popular hashtag right now that is a hashtag my people Anybody, you know talking about on social media uh twitter instagram whatever hashtag my people and so uh you're boston born and raised hashtag my people wear new england patriots hoodies and always i mean always have a dunkin donuts coffee in their hand right i call that the boston uniform right there Pat shirt Dunkin' Donuts coffee in your You work at Longwood Medical, right? we got lots of you people here. Uh, my people are, we wear scrubs and we look like we haven't slept in 48 hours. Am I right? If you're a, a college student, my people are, are also looking like we haven't slept in 48 hours, right? Uh, Levi, my people were tax collectors and sinners. And he didn't say... My people are Jesus' people now, and so you people are no longer anything to me. These are my people. Yes, when you become a Christian, you are, are brought into this amazing, beautiful, diverse family. We're going to celebrate it next week. It's amazing. That's, those are your people, people who have not the blood of a nationality running through their veins, but the blood of Jesus that we trusted in running through our veins. Those are your people, but it doesn't mean that they're not your people anymore either. They're your people and you love them and you care for them and you seek to to minister them and and serve. So who are your people? Do you have non-Christian friends? And if you don't, or if you do, but with zero intentionality in your relationship with them, then you're not living out your faith the way that God has designed your faith to be lived out. They say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of Tax collectors and and sinners. Those words are powerful, but here's here's the most powerful of all of this. Matthew goes on in, in Matthew's passage here, and he says, "Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds." In other words, Matthew Levi says they looked down on my Jesus because he hung out with my friends. They looked down at my Jesus. And and, and their self-righteous noses, they just glared at him because he hung out with my friends. But he says, wisdom, the wisdom of Jesus, the knowledge of Jesus, the understanding of Jesus is justified, justified by her deeds. In other words, look at the fruit. Me and my friends now know Jesus because Jesus was willing to hang out with my people. And again, who wrote that? Matthew wrote that. The passage is so much more powerful when you understand the one who who the Holy Spirit used to write that. They said, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of sinners and tax collectors, yet wisdom is justified by her her deeds. My friends were forever changed because Jesus hung out with them. So, So here's the question What if we partied like it was A.D. 29? What if we partied like Jesus, where we, we open up our home and, and the guest list wasn't simply church folk, where we, we, we had a healthy mix of neighbors and coworkers and Christian friends and, and, and people enjoyed all of our company and we laughed and we were relatable and we had a good time. And what if at those parties, Jesus was the guest of honor at our party? What might that look like? A few years ago, my son had a, had a birthday party at Sky Zone, the trampoline park. And we invited uh, all of his friends at the time. Our, our church was brand new and still very young. And we like, had no kids there, so there were no church kids to invite. All of his friends were school kids, which was awesome. And, and, and they came, and they jumped, and they got sweaty and smelly, as you know. And, and then we sat down to have the pizza in the party room. And, and uh, I, I kind of prepped Isaiah beforehand. said, Isaiah, you know, we're having pizza at your birthday party, so what do we do before we eat? He goes, we we pray. I'm like, Are you cool? I mean it's your decision, but are you cool if we pray before your your your, your birthday? I mean, I don't know that any I don't know about your, your friends if they know Jesus or not. Are you cool with that? He goes, Yeah, yeah, that's totally cool. Yeah, Dad. And he wasn't nervous at all. And so we 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 have the the sit down time and the pizza and, and I said, Hey guys, uh, uh, in our family, uh, in Isaiah's family, we pray before we eat. Now, I don't know what, you're, what you do at your house. You don't have to, because I wasn't going like, to force it on them with their parents not being there. Like, hold hands, bow your heads, let's go. you know. But, and then we have no friends after that. And I just said, in our family, here's what we do. You don't have to do anything, but I'm just going to take 20 seconds and pray. And so we do it, and we pray, and in Jesus' name we pray, amen. And I look across the table, and he's got this one friend who... In slow motion, he crosses his chest, fist bumps, and kisses the peace sign. (laughs) It was awesome. It was so good. It was so good. Jesus is the guest of honor at this party. And we're just going to do the things we always do. And if it's weird to you, so be it. But uh, Jesus is the the guest of honor. And uh, your story is one of the greatest tools you have. I told you a few weeks ago, the last sermon I preached here before went on, went on vacation about in my high school, and we shared uh, our story of how Jesus changed us standing on a stump at a big uh, bonfire where formerly was the place people went to get drunk after football games, and we turned it into a place of worship. And uh, similarly, I remember the first time I saw something like that, and that probably influenced that bonfire that I shared with you guys, was when I was... Uh, uh, a couple years before that, and this girl named Nikki had her sweet 16 birthday party, and a bunch of people went. It was a lot of fun, and, and, and she said, hey, uh, I just wanted to take a moment. Uh, I mean, they're all there for her, so uh, can I just kind of share a little story? And she shares what God had done in her heart. Jesus was the guest of honor. I've seen that played out in my life a number of times. And I mean, I just deeply believe that, that if we would be these kinds of people, and our home was a love hub, our our dorm was a love hub. Our common area was a love hub. Wherever it is that we hang out and we that was the hub of the, the message and the love and the grace of Jesus flowing through us, it would change everything. Some people get nervous, like is this can we have church in a public school? Yeah, we can. Yeah, we can. Because it's not about a building at all. In fact, as you read the Bible, the most powerful places are people's homes. You look through the scriptures and and Peter and Andrew's house, those first two called disciples. It was the hub of Jesus' ministry in Capernaum. You move forward. Zacchaeus' house was a hub of of powerful ministry. Here, Levi's house, a hub of of powerful ministry. Mary, Martha, Lazarus, for a season, their home was a hub of of powerful ministry. The upper room had this season where there was powerful ministry there, and then they came back and they prayed there. 120 people in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit to to fall on them. Lydia's house was a hub of ministry where the Church of Philippi was born and and first met at this most powerful, most healthy church we read about in the New Testament. I mean, is that your home? Is that your space? Is, could your, your space be a place that, that, that is a place where, where people can be with you and also by default be with Jesus because you don't ever leave Jesus at home because Jesus goes everywhere you go, a place where you love your neighbor as much as you love yourself, where you love your literal neighbor as much as you love yourself. Couple more verses, beginning at verse 30 of, of Luke chapter 5. Again, they're frustrated that he's eating with these people and they grumble. And verse 30 And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat with tax collectors and sinners? Here's Jesus' response Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So the religious people, Jesus, if you're so holy, why do you hang out with unholy people? And he says, uh, if you're a doctor, shouldn't you be hanging out with sick people? If not, you're not doing your job, you should be fired. Christians, are you hanging out with people who are without Jesus? with great intentionality, with prayer behind it, you're raising the flag early, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm not going to hide it, this is who I am, this is what my life is, is all about. If you're not, you're not doing your job. You're a doctor who's sitting at home with a cure for cancer and you've got it locked away and you're safe. It's crazy. It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous. And so we party well, we party strategically, we party under the example of Jesus, we use our space the way God wanted it to be used. And so man, this, this season, is, as we jump into this new season, next week is kind of a kickoff of the new season around here. What a great season, it's the time of year we get to fire up the grill, it's football season. Maybe have a Labor Day party this weekend. We're going to be watching a lot of Pat's game, going for another Super Bowl. Uh, Maybe it's it's back to school and everybody's looking to connect again. I mean, this is just a great season for that. So take advantage of it. I tell you what, if you will welcome people in times of joy, they're going to come to you in times of sorrow when they're sick, or at least they realize that they're sick. And that life isn't working the way they thought it should. That something's missing. His name is Jesus. Someone. They're going to come to you. So we party well. We party under the example of Jesus. And we call those who are sick to repentance. One of the most holy, one of the most sanctified things that you can do is party well under the example of Jesus. And so this whole series with Jesus, we've, we've very much been thinking inward. How can I build upon my relationship with Jesus? How can I have powerful, meaningful time with Jesus? But we need to close thinking outward. Because if you think inward and you never think outward, it's just going to explode. Just receive, 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 and it doesn't work like that. You receive so that you can pour out. We're a funnel of God's grace. We're a funnel of God's blessing. And so let's follow the example of Levi. Can I be honest with you? I told you a few weeks ago with my friend Nick back in high school, new Christian really challenged this old Christian because I had been following Jesus for a little while. And a lot of times it takes the new Christians to shake up the old Christians because we get a little bit complacent and we get to become creatures of, of habits. And I love how this newest disciple, Levi, Shook up these, these guys who had been walking with Jesus, even if just for a few weeks. Shook them up. And so, old Christians in the room. Here's what the Bible says Revelation says, Repent and do the deeds you did at first. You remember when you first started following Jesus and you just couldn't shut up about him? And it was, everything was fresh and fire. It was May. Repent and do the things you did at first. That's how we need to repent. And if you're not a Christian, As Jesus says here, I'm I'm here to call you to repent. I'm here to call you to, to turn from your independence from me and turn to total dependence and total trust in me. Be with me forever and always. Trust in what Jesus has done for you that God became a man. He took on human flesh. He walked in your shoes. He was sinless. He never, never sinned. And the wages of sin is death. But he never sinned so he didn't have to die. But yet he died so that he could die in our places, our substitution, so that if you trust in Jesus and what he has done, his life perfect, his death undeserved, and his resurrection unprecedented, then you can be made right with God and it changes your life. I invite all of us to that. If we've never given our life to Jesus, would you today turn and trust in Jesus? Be like Matthew who's sitting here living in, in sin and in rebellion to God and then Jesus looks at you and says, follow me. Maybe you're feeling the piercing eyes of grace and love like you've never felt before. That's God looking at you right now, the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart and saying, follow me, follow me. Would you guys close your eyes for just a moment? I just want to give you the chance in this moment to, to respond to the scriptures, however it is that you need to respond. Christians, first of all, how are we doing? Maybe you need to repent and say to God, God, I I recognize that I have just been so self-absorbed. This life has been about me. My relationships have been about serving me and not about serving them with the love of Jesus. God, maybe you just need to pray and confess that to God and repent and turn to him. And others of us, maybe right now, you're relating with Levi, with Matthew, and you're having this real sense of God looking at you with grace and saying, yeah, you too. You're included. I want you. And maybe you, you also are rediscovering a, a new purpose in life, a new mission in life that God says, yeah, and what I'm calling you out of is also the mission that you have before you. To go in and reach those people. You're uniquely equipped. You went through all kinds of junk and all kinds of pain. And, and, and I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to use it. What a powerful, powerful thing that God does. He calls us to relationship, and then he calls us to a mission. And so, God, thank you. Thank you for your grace to us in this way. I pray that we would receive the message of the scriptures in the way that we each individually need to this morning. And so if some need to give their life to you, I pray that they would do that today. They would turn from independence and turn to you, trust in you. And others of us, we take up that last and final with Jesus exercise, and that is to be with Jesus with our people. Because if we're going to hang out with you, well, you're a people person, so we're going to be hanging out with some other people with your love, Intel. Do your work among us. Transform us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, well every week when we finish up uh, with looking at God's Word, we want to respond. When, when God the Father talks to us, we respond back to Him. And, and I just want to call us to respond this morning, however we need to respond. And, and a good way to do that is just to communicate on your connection card what God's doing in your heart. Maybe today you, you have something we can be praying for you about. Maybe you've got an idea. I, I want to I wanna have a party. Or I want to I wanna invite some friends over that I wouldn't usually invite over. Let us know. and we, we can be praying for that in the comments section of your connection card. Also, if you maybe today you gave your life to Jesus, check that line at the top of the connection card. I'd like to trust in and follow Jesus and let us know. We would be so psyched to hear that. And we're not going to come knocking on your door. We'll send you something in the mail. All right? Uh, we're, we're really excited about uh, Jesus if you haven't figured that out yet. And uh, we want to help you grow uh, in him. Lastly... Uh, this is the time where not only do we drop our cards in the basket, but we also uh, drop gifts in the basket. Uh, if you, this is not your church home, in no way do we want you to feel any pressure to give. This is a time for those of us who love Jesus and are part of this church family to be a part of this mission of getting the message out. And so in just a minute, the baskets will come. You can drop your cards in. And if you're prepared to give, you can drop gifts in there. But again, let me remind you of that Hurricane uh, Harvey Relief Fund. Uh, We're part of a really cool network of churches uh, called the Send Network. And we also have an arm of the network that's called Send Relief. And let me just show you a video about Send Relief, if I can, for just a moment. Cool. So 100% of what you give goes directly to help survivors, not all the administrative costs. It goes directly to the survivors. And so uh, we would love to uh, invite you to that. If you put those in the uh, envelopes this week or hold in that envelope and do it next week if you weren't prepared to do that. Uh, Also, you can go on the church app or on the website and you can give. Just the normal drop-down where it says uh, give to the building fund or give to offering at the church. You can click, there's a new drop-down that says Hurricane Harvey Relief, and you can help uh, our friends in Texas, and so uh, make note of that, and uh, you can do that at any time online, not just in this moment, and so just want to let you uh, make note of that, but uh, I'm going to invite the guys to come up and pass the baskets, and uh, you guys remain seated. I'm going to come up and lead us in communion shortly after that.